Hello and welcome to part one of the special two-part series of Liberty is Peachy. In this episode, I'll be joined by ACLU of Georgia Executive Director Andrea Young and ACLU of Georgia Political Director Christopher Bruce. We'll be taking a deep dive into SB 202 and looking at just how that piece of anti-voter legislation will impact the right to vote for all Georgians. Enjoy. Well, Andrea and Chris, thank you so much for sitting down with me, you know, post legislative session into a, you know, lovely and slash rainy spring. Thankful to have you both here with me. <laughs> Great Happy to, be to be here. here. Happy to be here. Good deal. And, and I say, you know, out of legislative session because the work of that, you know, has come to a close, but um, the overall and overarching work doesn't stop. And I'm thankful for my personal sake and for the sake of our listeners that the dialogue doesn't stop either. So thankful to have you both of you here to um, dive deeper. And like I said, broaden the dialogue um, on voter rights here in Georgia and beyond and specifically with um, SB 202 and the assault on voter rights here in Georgia. So I wanna start um, with just kind of some of the points that um, are highlighted in the legislation that um, we saw in the legislative session. And the first one I want to talk about is how the state forces citizens who need to vote by mail to risk um, their identity, you know, they're at, at a threat for identity theft. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, again, we can't say enough, the extraordinary uh, response to the 2020 election, 5 million people voted right. in November. Uh, 1.3 million uh, voted by mail, used the opportunity to vote safely, uh, especially during the pandemic, uh, safely and securely by mail. Uh, what would change, what has, would change uh, under this legislation, uh, which we of course have challenged in court, mm -hmm. uh, would be that now people would be required to submit um, their driver's license number, copies of personal documents, verifying their identity, uh, and send them through the mail. Uh, and so this, you know, we know that identity theft is a major, major crisis in the That's state right. of Georgia. It especially hits uh, older uh, Americans who also have extra reason to want to vote by mail. Uh, and so it's, it's a very disturbing um, um, decision by the legislature to put Georgians at risk of identity theft, uh, again, because of a big lie that somehow uh, there, were, there were problems in the election. Our absentee ballots were audited by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Uh, and so as with most of this bill, this is a remedy in search of a problem uh, and is, is very dangerous for, uh, for our citizens. Absolutely. And Chris, I didn't leave anything out, Chris? Right. <laughs> no, I think you summed it up. Uh, absolutely. I mean, not just what you pointed out was, you know, that older Georgians uh, who typically vote by mail are at the highest risk. But let's not forget COVID is still out there. And these individuals now will have to actually go out there and still risk. It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated you still have a risk when it comes to this. And this is just another unnecessary burden uh, that Georgians have gone through uh, by the Georgia State Legislature. Yeah, and it's important to say the, the vote by mail system worked so well. Uh, there were, the, the rejection rate uh, was low 
And even among those that, again, because of work done by the ACLU and other allies, uh, but even within the uh, ballots that were rejected, there was an opportunity to cure them. And so, you know, hundreds of Georgians, you know, were able to even fix some of the slight problems there were uh, with their ballots. Um, this legislation also makes filling out your absentee ballot much more complicated. We had worked very, very hard uh, with, the with the Secretary of State and with uh, legislation right. that funded the uh, purchase of the new machines to simplify the ballot, to make it very simple. Some of the problems that we had seen uh, where people have to put um, their birth date or put the day's date and there would be confusion about which one. So we had very much simplified the ballot uh, they have now made it more complicated uh, to fill out. And so the more complicated it is, the more errors can occur. We will of course be working very hard to educate people on the accurate way uh, to uh, fill out these ballots, assuming that um, we're not able to keep it from this uh, bill from going into effect. Absolutely. And I'm, as you're speaking and we're going back over all of these different aspects and thinking about the public health crisis that we're currently in. Um, I think back to something that I said in our At the Capitol series during session where I said, you know, here we were celebrating the, the incredible organization that Georgians were able to do to get to the polls and, and the, and the progress in innovation that we were able to make. And, and then to see the legislation come through in session, it's stunning, but also it reminds me of just the work that we're able to do and that we do when it comes to um, transformative justice. Because I'm thinking about work that I've done with Chris, with things down in Brunswick, and to see the journey. So you know what? I'm going to highlight it here now that we are in a in an interesting point in this voter rights journey. Um, but and I and I'll say this for the listeners' sake that it feels good to have references of the work that we've done in the past to show that it's okay because ACLU of Georgia is on the case and it's good to be in a place of dialogue in this current space that we're in, um, in, in the fight. So that would, that, and then that leads me to my, the second point that I want to cover with um, diving deep into SB 202 is the state cut more than half of the number of days citizens can request an absentee mail-in ballot. And you were talking about this, Andrea. It made it more difficult to return the ballot by 7 p.m. on election day. So it's it's it really, it's almost like a, I mean, I get, I guess it's strategy, but, um, but we're talking about making it easy for people to get to the polls. So it's not like we're talking about like a de game defense. We're talking about making it easy and accessible for the public to do the most sacred thing during a public health crisis. Right. Um, and it's just, and like, and like you said, it's just another ploy in another instance. Um, and I didn't know if either one of you wanted to speak of anything about that, like anything that you learned or witnessed during session or heard in the hearings um, that would kind of speak to or highlight some of these tactics that we're seeing. All right, I can um, jump in and say a few things about testifying down at the Capitol, especially on this issue. So we know that when this issue came up about them slashing these days where you can request your absentee ballot, um, and a story came up about a certain individual who requested their ballot literally on the last Friday and was able to return it in uh, before the election day. And that individual was Governor Brian Kemp. <laughs> so 
again, right. the ACLU is a nonpartisan uh, type of organization who wants everyone to have access to the vote. And there were tens of thousands of people who voted within that time period that the government just slashed for no reason. The Board of Elections from these counties did not ask for this. Uh, they said they do want more resources, but they said, look, we can handle it because we have handled it because others like Governor Kemp was able to get their absentee ballot request and put it in a drop box. And the reason why is because he was quarantining due to COVID-19. So this is another attempt to curb the amount of people who are gonna be able to vote in the upcoming elections. Georgia should be highlighting and making it easier for people to vote without fraud, because we haven't found any instances of fraud, instead of curbing the access to being able to vote. So this is something else that just needs to be revisited. Yeah, so they shortened the time on the back end for returning, requesting the ballot, and also on the front end. So people who voted by mail may remember that the Secretary of State, in a very innovative way, opened up an online portal uh, so that you could request your ballot uh, through online, through the Secretary of State's office, safely and securely, mm -hmm. uh, and then that ballot would be made uh, available to you. They uh, shortened the time, so they, they made it so that the, uh, gov the, the Secretary of State could only open up that portal, you know, about um, a month or so before early voting starts. And so one of the things that we know causes long lines at the polls is people who requested an absentee ballot, if they don't get it before early voting starts, then they may show up to vote because they're nervous about not being able to cast their ballot. Right. Uh, so rather than reduce problems at the polls, shortening this window for people to request an absentee ballot is only going to make more problems for in-person voting, uh, early, both early and on election day. So from an election administration standpoint, mm -hmm. there's no justification uh, for saying, you know, for shortening the time that you can request the ballot uh, easily and safely. Uh, and, and no, uh, Chris can correct me if I'm wrong, but no real explanation was offered for that. And we certainly did not hear from any election administration officials who have the responsibility for this. You know, when you're doing an event, you want to do everything early that you can do. You want to get as much stuff out of the way that can be done before early voting starts. Um, and that was, and that is something now that's been made much more difficult uh, by this, uh, by this legislation. Gotcha. And Chris, did you have anything to add in there? No, I think uh, Andrea covered it uh, all together. It really just comes down to, do you want to have Jordan's vote or not? Yeah. That's what it really comes down to. And I think people really need to look at their state senator and their state representative, look at how they voted on Senate Bill 202 and ask them these questions yeah. together saying, what is your vision of Georgia and your fellow Georgians being able to vote? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and Andrea hit on just the restrictions on the front end and the back end. Mm -hmm. uh, in, 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 the, in the last election cycle, I, as I said, we're celebrating, but um, the fact that 
Dropbox locations were available 24 seven. There wasn't any like, people weren't having to worry about getting off work and like, oh, I have to make it back to my county Dropbox before the hours cut off. Right. So again, another instance of, of a why, why the restriction. Yeah. And, you know, the big, again, there, we actually have a video of the governor voting. Uh, the governor used a drop box that was outside. Uh, all of these drop boxes had 24 hour cameras on them. There was no suggestion that there had been any tampering with any of the drop boxes. No evidence was offered of that. Uh, and so the governor of him, the governor himself used an outdoor drop box, I think on election day, uh, which is something that will not be, that is not available to people anymore under this bill. And I was also one who voted at the drop box in front of the Auburn well. Avenue Library, uh, posted about it, uh, and was able to do that without worrying about, you know, what time does it close? You know, what time does the polling place close. And we know how many, I mean, people who commute, um, mothers, you know, parents who have childcare responsibilities, people mm -hmm. who are working multiple jobs, you know, the, the, the seven to seven uh, availability of voting is very restrictive to the working people of Georgia. And this just shows a tremendous, at best, insensitivity. And again, you just kind of wonder if a system works so well that the governor himself used it, why would you take that facility away? Exactly. And I'm just remembering, actually, Andrea, that we have the video up on our YouTube channel at ACLU of yeah. GA. So you can, you can see, as you say, just how well and how effective mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. system was for our very own governor. Yes. So, yeah, let's let's listen to what we're saying. The ACLU of Georgia wants to make sure Governor Brian can't vote. <laughs> That's right. That's what we're fighting for. And, and the over 7.6 million Georgians who are registered to vote. That's it. That's what it really comes down to. And using Governor Brian Kemp as an example of someone who was restricted due to a deadly illness, mm -hmm. use the process of getting his absentee ballot easily and dropping it off safely. The measure by the state legislature to put drop boxes inside and then restricting the hours basically nullifies it. Basically, you have people paying for drop boxes for no reason, because if you're there to be able to vote, you can might as well just vote in person and just cast your ballot there. There is no reason why we should be having drop boxes inside. That just takes away the point. Um, and we have accessibility issues. And I'll never forget, there were advocates from the disability community who were talking about, if you do this, it's gonna make it harder for us to vote. They came and they made their pleas towards it and it still happened without any other type of justification. So again, I would encourage people, look at your state rep and your state senator, see how they voted and the issue into that conversation of why did you vote this way? And what do you see as your vision of voting in Georgia? Uh, if they push back and say there's something about voter fraud or anything else, tell them to show you the evidence towards it because Georgia was on a path to breaking records. And I still believe truly because of the work of the ACLU of Georgia and the work of our allies, we're gonna break other records in 2022 when it comes to the upcoming elections, but we need to continue on the fight. 100%. 100%.
Um, and, you know, as of late in recent history, you know, Georgia has become the center of the political universe, as people have been saying. And it really, it, it doesn't stop, especially now that we're having these conversations, continued conversations regarding voter rights. Um, we can look at how what's happening in Georgia impacts us on a national scale as we are trying and pushing forward with movement on a federal level for um, voter rights protection, if either one of you wanted to, to speak on that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's really important, particularly for listeners who have uh, friends and relatives in other states, uh, mm -hmm. that one of the ways to address the concerns we have about what's happening in Georgia, also what is about to happen in Florida, uh, where uh, Florida has passed bill, a bill with similar measures uh, that we have in, that restrict voting, um, that we have two bills pending in the Senate uh, that would, one, establish a standard uh, level of access to the ballot across the country uh, under Senate Bill 1, and then Senate Bill 4, which is the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Advancement Act, which restores the pre-clearance provision. So under the vote, original Voting Rights Act, uh, everything pretty much in this bill that just passed uh, the Georgia legislature would have been subject to pre-clearance from the Justice Department. Um, the, the Supreme Court gutted that requirement and we need that reinstated. Um, and all of these measures, instead of filing in federal court, uh, which is what we're doing right now, we would have been able to file a complaint with the Justice Department to that these measures would have a disproportionate impact, uh, particularly on voters of color. Uh, and so it's really, really important that we get uh, federal voting rights legislation uh, passed in the Senate. 100%. And thank you. And this is why I appreciate being able to have these sit down so much because hearing that and hearing it broken down like that um, is, is so valuable. And I think that that is, is crucial and essential into um, continuing and ensuring our um, engagement with our supporters. So thank you. And Chris, I didn't know. I had to, you know, I had to uh, jump in and fangirl real quick for a second. But Chris, I didn't want to cut you oh, off. No, I was about to say I'm not following Andrea Young after that. No, there's <laughs> nothing else to say. Like, <laughs> just summed that up perfectly. Yeah, that's that's it. Pass the gas. We need them now. <laughs> okay. All right, friends. That takes care of part one. Thanks so much for listening. To stay up to date on all the work we do here at the ACLU of Georgia, visit ACLUGA.org. And to keep up with us across social platforms, follow us at ACLU of GA. Keep an eye out for part two. It's coming up soon. And remember, listen like your rights depend on it. Until next time.